Amen. And so today is Thanksgiving Sunday, and all across the Church of Nazarene worldwide, we are collecting what is known as a Thanksgiving offering. A Thanksgiving offering is an offering that we give over and above our regular tithes and offerings for the purpose of supporting and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And for years uh, as pastor, even long before I became to Olive Knowles, I just encouraged everyone to participate. It did not matter how much you gave, but I was looking for every person in the church that I pastored that they would have 100% participation. And, um, and to be honest with you, I haven't reached it yet. So this year, I am making sure that we can all participate. You actually, I am giving you $5 for you to give back to missions. Amen. And this is a way that if you, if you, you didn't bring any money with you, you don't have any, you're, you're really hurting today or you forgot or it's not important. You have $5 in your hands today. And here's what I would ask. That at the very least, you give this back to the Lord for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And before you put it in the bucket as you leave today, that you would pray, Lord, may you use this $5 to spread the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. Amen. Now, maybe for some of you, you might increase that 5 to 6 or 10 or 50 or 100 or 500, or whatever you feel led of the Lord. But to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you today for all that you have done for me. I am giving back to you a thanksgiving offering. Amen. Notice that thanks, and the second word in that is giving. Thanksgiving. And so this is a wonderful way for us to participate in the Nazarene World Evangelism Thanksgiving offering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So you could take your $5 and go to Starbucks, or you can take your $5 and give it back to the Lord. Amen? Whatever it might be, or you can multiply it. May God bless you, and may God bless the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. Amen? So thanks so much. It's good to be with you today. And today we have a special message called Being Thankful This Thanksgiving. Being Thankful This Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I love the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, today, I am, uh, you know, in a few days, I will be celebrating 35 years ago on Thanksgiving Eve, I asked Jane to be my wife. It was, uh, we were in Vermont, and her dad was pastoring, and I was, I went home to have, uh, to her house to have Thanksgiving, and um, I wasn't very creative. Actually, I was, I really, 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 I wish, it was like one of those things I wish I had another chance to do it again, because I didn't do it very well. I just, I just opened the box with the diamond in it and just said, nothing. And she said, do you want to ask me something? <laughs> you know, it's, and, and, and today they come up with all these incredible ways to do the engagement, you know, that is just amazing. And I go, man, mine was really, really, really lame. But I'll always connect Thanksgiving to the day that 
Um, Jane said yes to me. I, before I actually asked her, I had to ask her dad. So we were out in the middle of Vermont. We were in a jacuzzi together. We were just, he had a jacuzzi in the back deck porch there. And he went out to the jacuzzi and I said, well, this is my time. And I ran out to the jacuzzi. And so we're sitting in the jacuzzi together. It was like freezing cold in Burlington, Vermont. I mean, it was really, really cold. Our, you could see your breath, you know, and everything. And, um, and so then he was there. We were, they were just chatting back and forth about football and all that kind of stuff. And he was about ready to go. I said, whoa, 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 I need to ask you something. And I asked him if I could marry his daughter. And um, got really chilly then. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was really cool. So anyways, it was, uh, it was really special. I love Thanksgiving. I just love it. But it's one of the most, it's still one of the purest holidays we have in our country today. It's one that is not commercialized, you know, like Christmas. I mean, what is the day after Thanksgiving? Black Friday. We know that. We're already having black, we have black sales already going on, um, already happening. Everybody's gearing up to buy stuff, you know, to consume. Well, this is an opportunity for us you know, Thanksgiving, the, you know, the, the retailers aren't really marketing cards and gifts and all of that stuff. You know, maybe turkey's a little higher this year and a little bit more food and stuff. But ultimately, it's still a pure, wonderful day where we simply stop and give thanks to God. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, um, I love that. Didn't that look good? I don't know about you, but I can't wait to have the Thanksgiving turkey. It's always good. Sir John Templeton, a billionaire investor, said this. Gratitude, if you're not grateful, you're not rich no matter how much you have. Let that sink in for a moment. Gratitude, if you're not grateful, you're not rich no matter how much you have. And the other side of that is, if you're, not, if, you're, if you're grateful, you're rich no matter how little you have. Amen? How little you have. If you've got gratitude in your heart, you are full of richness of God's many, many blessings in your life. So today we're going to look at Psalm 16. Psalm 16, take your Bibles, let's read together. This is a Thanksgiving psalm. And it's a wonderful psalm that uh, teaches us some things about how to be thankful. Let's stand together as we read God's word. Psalm 16. It's not too long. It's only 11 verses long. But let's stand and read God's word together. Psalm 16. It's on page 418 in my Bible. That probably is not going to help you much. But um, it's in the middle, somewhere along there. Find the scripture. Amen? Here's what the word of the Lord says. This is a psalm of David. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out my, their libations of blood and take up their names on my lips. Lord, you've assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. 
I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will, will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You made, my, made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Father, thank you for your word today. Speak to us, I pray, in the name of Jesus our Lord. And God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. You see, we have a tendency to rate our lives on a scale of comparison with others. We have a tendency to compare ourselves with those who live, whose lives appear to be richer and fuller and more exciting than ours. And many times we feel short change. We wonder why others have so much better than we do. And of course, that is really distorted thinking. You know, but it's a tendency of our, of our human nature to constantly look at what other people have and what, they, and what we don't have. And that doesn't lead to gratitude. That leads to a spirit that really brings death and brings, brings a, a sense of jealousy in our lives. So today, we're, as we look at this psalm together, I want us to see three things today that will really help you to be thankful to help you to experience Thanksgiving, not only just now on Thanksgiving Sunday and Thanksgiving holiday, but Thanksgiving all the way through your life. Because I believe gratitude, it is an incredible gift that God can give to us. And when we have a spirit of gratitude, it changes our, our, um, our attitudes, it changes our dispositions, it changes our spirit. When we're always finding ourselves feeling complaining and arguing or wondering why we don't have some or why this happened to us, it kind of just zaps life out of us completely. So three things I want you to see today. First of all, this psalm starts off in verse number one with an interesting way. He says, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. You will notice all the way through this psalm that, Paul, that, that David, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer in Romans now, <laughs> David is, uses the, is the first, the, the pronoun I. He says I. He says it over and over and over again all the way through Psalm 16. He says, I take refuge. In other words, he says the bottom line here as he writes this psalm, which was a, a, a psalm of worship. It was a time where they gathered in worship together and it would be an expression of their faith. He says, Lord, you've kept me safe. I have trusted you. I have trusted you. You have been my refuge throughout all the ups and downs of life. You have been there for me. And if you know anything about David in his journey, there are so many times where his life was in danger. That he was in danger. And a lot of times when you read the Psalms of David, you will find he will say, keep me safe. And he will then, he will then break out into prayer about all of the specifics about what he needs to be kept safe from. But in this psalm, he goes from keeping me safe immediately into praise and thanksgiving. Because God has been faithful. And God has been faithful in your life. You think about this last year and all of the ups and downs and all of the struggles of over the last few years with COVID and with the economy and with sicknesses and with family members passing away. God has been faithful to you all the way through your life. He has kept you safe. 
He has been your refuge and your strength. And so that's the foundation of this psalm. He says, I take refuge in you. Another way of saying is, I trust in you, God. I trust you because you are trustable. And so then he says, what do I, what do I have to be thankful for this year? What do you have to be thankful this year? Three things. Number one, David says, acknowledge that God is the source of all good things in your life. Acknowledge that God is the source of all good things in your life. He says there in verse number two, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from, from you, I have no good thing. Amen. Can you say amen to that? I mean, can you honestly acknowledge that everything, everything in your life that is good is a gift from Almighty God? Amen. Amen. And really, sometimes we take a lot of things for granted. We take a lot of things for granted. We just accept them as they, they should be instead of acknowledging that they are gifts from the Lord. In the book of James, James tells us, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing comes from the Lord. Uh, Robert McGee who was, a, who was a Christian psychologist, he was teaching a class one day on gratitude, and he did what is called the gratitude exercise. He said to all of those in his class that day, he says, I want to give you some time, and I want you to think about every single little detail in your life that you should acknowledge that God has been good to you in your life. And he started to list them all on the board as, as his class began to talk about those things. And students began to ask him things, say things like this. Um, when we wake up, you can thank God that you slept in a bed. You had a pillow over your head, a blanket to keep you warm. You can thank God that you slept under a roof, not under the elements. You can thank God that you have an alarm clock that helps you get up on time. You can thank God for the electricity light and the heat in your home. You can thank God for running water and a refrigerator, for a cold and a stove. You can thank God for food, for toothbrushes and toothpaste and deodorant and soap and shampoo and showers and indoor, indoor plumbing. And we can, most of us in this room could say there's a whole bunch of other things we can thank God for as well. And then there are others who are less fortunate than us who are living out in the streets today can thank God that somebody came and brought them a hot meal. Somebody brought um, some mittens or some gloves or a blanket or whatever it might be. But they were generous towards them and thank God for that. God has been faithful and every good and precious gift comes from him. He is the founder of all those things. And I really believe with all my heart that we need to say openly and honestly and clearly to God, God, you are the source. I am not the source. You are not the source. God is the source of all good things in our life. Um, he goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, and I put this in the New Living Translation because I think it's a little bit easier to understand than the, than, the, and than the NIV, which I read earlier. He said it this way, The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. 
In other words, David is looking upon, looking upon the people of his land. Remember, he's, the, he's a shepherd. He's a, he's a king. He's one who cares. And he said, all of those godly people out there who acknowledge that God is the source of all good things, who acknowledge that God is the, God is the provider of everything, who give God praise in their life, he says, those are my true heroes. And I was thinking this morning about so many people here at Olive Knowles that I look around and I go, you're my heroes. You know why you're my heroes? Because you are godly people who acknowledge that God is the source of everything in your life. And you're, you're the kind of people that, that, uh, that, that God wants to inhabit the praise of the earth. He wants, to, he wants it to grow and increase. And David is acknowledging, he says, I take pleasure in them. Amen. I take pleasure in them. Yesterday as I was walking around the, the, fa- the, the craft fair and just walking through and just greeting people along the way. It was so cool just to stop in between, you know, different vendors and have conversations with different people and see people eating um, the pancake breakfast and the potato bar. And, and it just was such a joyful, wonderful environment. But I loved connecting with godly people who love God with all their heart and give praise to him. Amen? Who give praise to him. He goes on to say, troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. In other words, troubles multiply for those who do not acknowledge that God is the source of everything. Troubles multiply for those who do not have a grateful attitude. Troubles multiply for those who think that they are the source of all the good things in their life or other gods, or the government, or their job, or their wealth, or whatever they place as an idol above Almighty God, he says troubles multiply for those because they are chasing not after the true God, but those other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood. In other words, I'm not going to sacrifice offerings and and praise and worship at the altar of foreign gods, of, of unknown gods, of idols that are not the true and living God himself. And my friends, there are a lot of people who are worshiping the wrong God and serving the wrong God. There's, there's the, the God of sports there's the God of, of, of wealth. There's the God of fame. There's the God of all kinds of idols in our world today. David says, I will not even take part in those kinds of sacrifices. And I will not even speak the names of their gods. I will not even allow them to be part of me. Because when I am choosing to acknowledge that God is my source, he gives me peace and power, and fills me with gratitude and thanksgiving in my heart. God, help us not to take part in sacrificing. We don't do blood anymore in animals, but we sacrifice sometimes our time, our talent, and our treasure to the wrong things. Amen? May we give thanks to the Lord and the things of God. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Recognize the pleasant places in your life. Recognize the the pleasant places. Notice what he says in verses 5 and 6. He says this. Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. 
and you have made my lot secure. You have assigned me my portion in my cup. And as you think about your life, there's a lot of things you did not choose. You didn't choose your biological family. You didn't even choose this nation that you grew up in. You didn't choose sometimes the color of your hair. You didn't choose probably the, the, your, your gender. You didn't choose. There's a lot of things in life that were just given to you. You just got it. And, and Paul says, he says, Lord, you've assigned my portion in my cup. In other words, he, Paul, I mean David, David, not Paul, he recognizes that God is sovereign. He is Lord. And, and he's really referring to, by the way, when he says my portion of my cup or my lot is secure, he's talking about the early Israelites and what they did when they went into the promised land that God ultimately assigned different tribes, different portions of the land. And you got this piece and you got this piece. It would be like Bakersfield was one big field. And then we were part of the, the great, you know, migration from Oklahoma to Bakersfield. And we got here and somebody arbitrarily said, here, you've got that piece of land. 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 And some of you are really, really happy with the piece you got. And some of you are really unhappy with the piece you got. And you said, oh, you know what? That's not fair. Well, if there's anything I've learned in life, life isn't fair. It's just not fair. But he says, you have assigned me. But then notice what he says. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. In pleasant places, surely I have delighted in delightful inheritance. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. Pleasant places. It's interesting that David would say that the boundary lines had fallen on pleasant places for him. Think about David's life for a moment. David was the youngest of a, of a whole group of brothers who was considered, some would say, the runt of the litter. He was the one who was out in the fields when they came to look for a king. And when they, found, when they came to his dad's house and said, I'm looking for somebody... It was David who was out in the king. He wasn't even part of the, he wasn't even part of the conversation. He wasn't even allowed to go into the front lines and serve in the military. And then when God called him to be the leader and he went to the front lines, remember it was Saul that wanted to give him the clothing that didn't fit anymore. Couldn't fit because he was so small. And what does David do? He goes out and slays the giant. People begin to sing his praises. And the king is not happy about it because he was getting all of the attention. And then what happens to David? He has to run for his life over and over and over again. They were trying to kill him. There are a lot of things in your life that you can say, I wish it wasn't this way. I really wish it wasn't this way. I really wish that my life was like this. I really wish that this didn't happen to me. I really wish that those lot lines weren't there. But Thanksgiving is a time for us to look at those pleasant places. Those places within the portion that you've been received. And you say, well, God, you've been good. 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 I grew up, as you know, and the inner city of Boston, to a family called to Colby and Helen Hardy. They were my mom and dad. 
My dad was sick every day of my life that I can remember. He died when I was 11 years old. He died at 49 years old. He had one lung. He had never finished high school at a ninth grade education. He never had a driver's license because he could never pass the written driver's test. Yet he drove all the time. He took menial jobs here and there trying to care for his family, even with his medical condition of having one lung. And then he died. My family were stuck in the middle of, of, of poor inner city Boston in the 1970s when the racial wars were at its highest intensity. We lived in a mostly African-American black community as a white family. And we lived there because it was the poorest place to live and the cheapest place to live. Every day I remember getting up and the only thing we had in the cupboards was powdered milk and 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 an American cheese that was given to us by the U.S. government. Mom got her food stamps in the beginning of the month, and by the end of the month, there was no food in the cabinets. We were trying to figure out how to eat macaroni and cheese. We ate a lot of macaroni. Macaroni, macaroni, macaroni. Mom was good at making macaroni because it was cheap to make, and you can make a lot of it. That's the kind of family I grew up in. We weren't wealthy. We had nothing. Everything we received at Christmas time was given to us by others because mom didn't have any money to buy anything. We had six kids in our family. It was difficult. It was hard. That was my lot and my portion in my cup that I grew up in. Yet in the middle of all of those things, I give praise to God because there were pleasant places. There were places in my childhood where I can go back and say, Mom loved us. Mom cared for us. Dad was right there for us. Those, even though he was sick at times, he was, he was faithful to Mom. He was faithful to us. And although we didn't grow up in church, it was when we, my dad passed away that it was my grandmother who was a Nazarene who went to church in Saco, Maine, um, Saco, Maine, who came down to my father's funeral, and it was her pastor at a Nazarene church that came to do my dad's funeral. And I look back at that, and I would say, the grace of God was there. The grace of God was there. The grace of God was there. God was there, even though I didn't see him. And I look back, and I say, there were pleasant places. Pleasant places. And if you look at your own life right now, no matter what your particular situation is right now, you can recognize God's presence, God's provision, God's blessing, God's love right there in the middle of all of the portions that you did not choose. Amen? Those are the pleasant places that God gives to us. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. In pleasant places. Today, I find myself in Bakersfield, California. I call this my pleasant place. For me, I love Bakersfield. I love the weather. I love the fact this morning I got up and there was a coat of ice all over my car. And I thought to myself as I sat in the car, this is the first time that I'm getting in my car and I have to wait for the ice to melt on my windshield before I can drive away. 
I used to have to do that for about a half an hour before I could drive in Michigan. I'm grateful today that I didn't get up to shovel three feet of snow. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Whatever it might be. You know all some pleasant places I found? I have found that Olive Knolls is a pleasant place. Can you say that? Olive Knolls is a pleasant place. It's a place of grace and love. It's a place of God's presence. I look at Olive Knowles Christian School in the middle of all of the other wonderful schools here in, in, in Bakersfield. I consider Olive Knowles Christian School a pleasant place. A place of grace. A place of love. A place of laughter. A place for kids to grow and hear the good news of Jesus Christ and grow. Those are pleasant places for me. Can you recognize the pleasant places in your life today? Amen. That will help you be grateful today. Here's the third one. Third one is this. He says, look ahead to better days. Amen. Look ahead to better days. Notice what he says. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And as you think about your future... You think about, you think not only about your physical future, about the rest of this year and next year and the days to come. I want to tell you that when you have the Lord in your life, you have a wonderful future. Days are going to get better. Amen. My brother Michael back there. Mike, God bless you, brother. He's going to be moving to Alabama here soon. We're going to miss you and your family. But I believe there are better days for you and your family. Amen? And I believe the Lord's going to go with you and before you. Why? Because he promised to. He promised to. He promised that he would be with you. Amen? He promised that he would go with you all the way through. And this is just some of the other terms that I find in the book of Psalms. He says, surely goodness and mercy will what? Follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. And I go back to the day that I received Christ when I was 16 years old. Little did I know that that day would radically change the, the direction and the guidance of my life. And God has been faithful. His goodness and his mercy. His goodness. What is his goodness? His goodness is all of the many blessings that you receive every day, every week, every year. Year after year after year, his goodness is poured out upon you. And his mercy, by the way, we need that every day because we mess it up. Amen? Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of my life, he says. And then in Psalm 48, 14, he says it this way. God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide to the end. Amen? He will guide your steps and lead you along the way. Why can I be grateful today? Because I know that God has been faithful in the past. I know he's faithful today. And I know he will be faithful to the future. So I can look at tomorrow and I can be filled with incredible amounts of optimism. Because of the grace of God and because of his presence and because he is guiding and leading me. He is an eternal God who has made himself known to us today. And then Psalm 85 says it this way. The Lord will indeed give what is good 
and our land will yield its harvest. Notice the word will. That's future. The Lord will indeed give what is good. You acknowledge what God has given you good in the past, and you recognize and look forward to the many blessings that he has for you in the future. That's the goodness of God. And so if you want to have, have a heart filled with gratitude, you want to get up every day and praise him and lift praise to him, first acknowledge that everything you have comes from him. Recognize the, the pleasant places in your life where you can see the hand of God in your life and then look forward to the many blessings that he's going to give to you in the future. And I promise you, your spirit will be lifted up. And that grumpy, ugly, complaining spirit will be radically transformed to an attitude of gratitude, which God wants all of us to have. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Stand with me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word today. We acknowledge that you are God and the source of all good things. We recognize, Lord, that you, there are pleasant places, even in the middle of the portions and lots that we have received that we did not choose. And we are looking forward to the day, to the future, Lord, of the many more blessings that you will bring our way. For the, your, your promises are true. And you are faithful today. We love you. As we sing our final song today, would you pour your spirit upon us, I pray, in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. amen. Let's sing together.